1: And get 10% off your plan. And happy Tuesday, guys. You all. I'm so excited for today because we have one of my favorite podcast people here. We have Nick and Jack from Two Boy, which is the best one yet. And it is an amazing, cool, digestible business news podcast that breaks down basically everything you need to know for the day and they all are so cool and i've been following them for forever and i cannot believe they're here today and they're gonna break down their journey of how they went from starting their cool business newsletter to what they're doing now and everything between so if you like podcasts if you like journeys if you just want to hang out this is the show for you so everybody you definitely want to grab a pen notepad um, PDF, I don't know, whatever it is to take notes on because they break down everything and they're so cool. So let's get into today's episode. And Nick and Jack, welcome. How are you guys? Great,
0: fantastic to be here, Calm. Thanks for having us.
1: So much about to be a party, but before we get into all the cool stuff, we always
2: start with the question: what the term young influential means to you. The term young influential to us means that you have influence with a person because you've gained their trust. And Mm -hmm. that's great because Nick and I have put on a daily episode of the Best One Yet podcast for nearly a thousand episodes now. We go way back in the podcasting game to 2018 was the day we launched our first episode. Actually, almost exactly five years ago. (sighs) Almost exactly, like right around this time, Jack. And we think to win trust, it's all about consistency. And Nick and I are wildly consistent when it comes to jumping on the mics and recording an episode about the day's news. Um, so we're just proud that like so many people have decided to trust us and listen to us every day for their scoop on, on the morning's news and to feel brighter with Nick and me chatting it up like we did in college when we met freshman year.
0: Jack nailed it with the trust point. That is absolutely it. It all comes down to trust that you gain through consistency. And one way that we see this, one way we see young influentials is with Jack and I like to say, and this is a takeaway we've done on the pod, tech companies have users. It's very functional. Most companies have customers, which is very transactional, but young influentials tend to have fans, and we really think of fans as the sign that someone is able to be influential, and we're fortunate that we have fans on our podcast, and it's a sign that someone loves and wants to share what you're doing. Come on
1: with those perfect answers, and um, spoiler alert, everybody, I am I am living the dream because I've been a fan since day one, so this is just, like, unreal, um, so everybody let that let that sink in.
0: Colin is a legendary (laughs) long-time Yeti, (laughs) as we like to say. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um,
1: (laughs) But take us back to childhood Nick and Jack. Were you guys, like, always into podcasting or audio or storytelling? Like, where did kind of the Mm -hmm. genesis into this room kind of, like, get that stem from?
2: Man, we became podcasters by accident. Um, (laughs) We were given an opportunity, and we took it. And podcasting was not on our roadmap. But in 2018, when we got an invitation to come audition for a podcast, we took the invitation. Nick and I kind of looked at each other and we said, sure, we'll try uh, it out. All right, why not? And we flew into New York City to audition. And we spoke into microphones for an hour together. (laughs) It was a very rough episode. (laughs) It was not what it looks like or sounds like today. But the person on the other side who was judging us decided we have some some chemistry, and we have personality, and mm-hmm. gave us uh, the offer for a pilot season of a podcast, but on one condition that you do it daily. Um, and we looked at each other, we're like, "No way, we can do this daily. <laughs> that is rough." But we ultimately like spent the whole summer committed fully to this podcast because we we believed that we had an opportunity to fill a void in daily business news, and so we did it. And it wasn't just 90 episodes. We're, we're coming on 1,000 now. Oh my gosh. But Nick, back to the childhood, because you and I have yeah. very different childhoods.
0: Yes. You and I have been fans of storytelling for like a long time. And in fact, one of the reasons we got the podcast is because we had been storytelling for a few years. Like Jack and I, we actually, right after school, worked in finance, both of us, and then realized it wasn't exactly what we were hoping for in a career, that there were great elements to the finance and the business industry, but we felt like there was something missing. And what was missing was basically what you just said, Colin. It was the storytelling element. When you're working as an analyst, there isn't much storytelling you're doing with spreadsheets. So Jack and I started a side hustle where we started storytelling business news to our newsletter base. And we built out a newsletter business called Market Snacks, which we grew as a side hustle because basically... Like what you said, Colin, we were fans of storytelling and didn't realize it. And we realized that business news needed its stories to be told. And that's what eventually led to the podcast. So yeah, you're right. Storytelling really kind of goes back for us, Jack, to like right after college, but it even probably goes back deeper into
2: our childhoods. It's funny, we're kind of going in reverse chronological order here. <laughs> yeah, we are. Which, I'm which all is for a form friend. of storytelling. Uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so freshman year, uh, Nick and I were randomly placed as roommates together. And like we didn't know each other. We'd connected on Facebook just weeks prior to moving in together. Um, but we bonded over a mutual love of Seinfeld. Yeah, so yeah. there's some storytelling that we love <laughs> together. Totally. Um, Nick's born and raised in New York City, like in on Manhattan Island. I'm born and raised in rural Vermont, so yeah. Uh, (laughs) But we found this like common love of Seinfeld, which was hilarious, and we we just we we hit it off. But the first audio I listened to was um, was was the show called Car Talk uh, on on Mm -hmm. like public radio in Boston. It's those two Italian brothers who are mechanics, and. They get callers who call in and say, like, my carburetor's not working. Like, my engine's got a funny sound. Or why does that yeah. check engine like constantly come back on? Should I worry about it? And these two brothers who worked in a garage for a long time together, they just have so much fun, like hilariously responding to these people. Um, mm-hmm. they love to laugh. And when Nick and I, you know, saw that podcasting was working for us. We eventually decided to stop doing the daily email newsletter that Nick referred to. And we're like, could this be a career, like podcasting? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, Nick and I dedicate our full passions and and hours in the day. And -hmm. and everything that we do is to put on a great show so that every day is the best one yet. And we looked at that radio show. Those guys, um, they put on a, a show for like until they were 70 years old. They had that show going for decades and we look at that. We're like, that's a model. They were obviously radio. Podcasting is, is radio, but better and more convenient and on demand. Um, like, we're going to do what they did. We're going to keep doing the show until we're 70 years old and we finally hang up the mics. <laughs> and I feel like you guys brought
1: up a good point, too. Like, when you guys were saying, like, the like child inspiration, like, car talk and all those. Like, I feel like one of the first um, ones that got me into was, like, Delilah. Do you guys remember her? Delilah on the radio. And I used to call Saturday. Literally. Nights, yeah. And I used to love how people would be like, hey, Delilah, my goat ran away again. And <laughs> yeah. I just want to know. And I just felt like how she could.
2: Here's a song for goat. Literally, she
1: would, she would just, the art of conversation, she would just know how to, like, the person could come on and be either, like, really confuffled if that's a word or just like whatever mm. and just how she was able to kind of meet them where they are and like explain to them yeah. and talk to them and I feel like that's something that's such an art and so um like another extension of journalism in itself because it's like the whole point of it like you guys said taking like business news but it's not really mm. like digestible Is like kind of being able to like talk to people meet them where they are and really yeah. bring whatever to life and being able to explain what's going on to like wider people around them which I think is so cool in itself
0: and Colin, yeah. that's exactly the idea we try to capture in our brand, like the logo, the image, the look, just the name, the best one yet. The reason the show's called that is because, like Jack said, every pod we do, we think was the best one yet. The next one is going to be the best one yet. And what we realized is that, yes, we are talking about business news. That is the topic. But really what resonates with people is the feeling, is that T-boy, the best one yet feeling. And that's what storytelling can do. That's what Delilah did. That's what the car talk guys did. It was never really about the carburetor. That was the interesting information you got. What it was, was getting an insight into their fraternal fun and their friendship and their relationship and the chemistry. And that's what comes across in great storytelling. And
1: like, like I don't know, like just think in that, like when you also said that, I'm like, gosh, like. The fact that these guys like when you guys said car talk like i'm just like the fact that they would be able to like get from like my car broke down and i'm in the middle of springfield mass to like <laughs> you know i actually do need to get my life together like the fact that they can get yeah. from there to that and really expand on that that's like also an i feel like that's also like an aspect that's really missing and i feel like that podcast adds to it because in radio like of course like they'll do the like call in whatever, whatever, but on pack podcast, you can really like delve into it and really like truly bring that story even more to life. Like we were all just talking Mm -hmm. about.
2: Yeah. I've, I absolutely love audio because you know, with video, everything is, is, you know, YouTube and a social media app. And there's so much demand for our attention as, as we're Mm -hmm. consuming video, like you, me, we're just talking about our favorite reality TV shows. (laughs) And we're just talking about, there's so many streamers with so many great options. Um, so on on video, like there's just a constant demand for for action and the totally. next thing. Audio, on the other hand, is the perfect multitasking medium, and it has been for a hundred years. And our generation is—you know—young influentials are extremely busy. Um, we have a lot on our plate, and we want to exceed, and we're all ambitious. Um, so, get getting your news on audio is just a mm-hmm. fantastic way to. You know, spend your walk with your dog or do your workout or your home chores. You can listen to the show. And that's why we're so bullish on podcasting, because I think there's always going to be a demand to get your news and, and, and have a companion in your ears while you're doing other things.
0: And we've seen it in the level of engagement. Like Jack and I have played in the newsletter game. We've played in the video game and we've done pure audio. And what we found is that there's just this intimacy that comes with audio, that you're hanging out with someone that there's a relationship you get, that Jack and I get to have with these listeners that you can't get in the same way with print and you can't totally get with video when it's so literal. There's just something more intimate that leads to a deeper long-term connection with audio. And and we've just had a lot of fun with that.
1: No, that's so true because I'm one of those that I'll be like cooking or whatever or like doing mm-hmm. laundry and I'll put on like, I don't know, like the daily from, MP- from a new york times or something else and i'll just be doing a chore and it's like wow i feel like they're right here with me you know helping me like defrost this chicken (laughs) for taco tuesday
0: (laughs) hey michael what do you want (laughs) i'm
1: like i'm like oh he like i'm like oh guys he likes sour cream on his tacos like don't worry about
2: it he's good When Nick was talking about intimacy, I thought he was going to go full ASMR on. us. <laughs> I should have
0: dropped an octave lower, Jack. Like This is what Jack and I love about <laughs>
1: Um, But you guys just brought up a good point. Like with newsletters, I feel like with everybody listening, I feel like every the big question is like, oh, our newsletter is still worth it. Like how do we grow our email list? And so like just going back to the newsletter element, how did you guys kind of synthesize it? Because like we said, for our attention, everybody's fighting for attention and newsletters, I feel like are something that I, it'll either people will click on it or won't. And it's kind of like, and like endless equation of what's too much to put in there. What's
0: enough, what's too little. Mm -hmm. Well, Jack and I have focused this part of our careers on audio and podcasting, like we told you, but we started out in the newsletter game and we're still definitely bullish on newsletters. And there are a few reasons for that. First of all, people have been saying that like email is going to die for years. That was like, part of Slack going public, that was like a key theme for them. But the reality is email hasn't gone anywhere and it's probably not going anywhere for a while. Plus you have everyone has email. So that inbox is kind of like what Jack and I say. It's like inbox real estate. Every day people check their email and every day there's like a bunch of things at the top that are valuable. And newsletters get there directly. There's no middleman really. So unlike podcasting or video where you have a middleman like a Spotify or a YouTube Newsletters are direct. You get access to someone in an intimate place, their email where they keep all their personal stuff. And you can do it very
2: consistently. So newsletters functionally still make a lot of sense to answer that you, question. You God. know how I mentioned that podcasting is the same thing as radio, but like better and on demand? Yes. That is there's a similar analogy with newsletters, which is mm-hmm. they're newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're better and they're on demand and your fingers don't get all, you know, black totally. and gray or whatever. Um but, you know, for for decades and centuries, people have read the newspaper every morning and on weekends and on weekdays for that matter, I still read newsletters. It's my mm-hmm. equivalent of the newspaper and it's it's a great way to get informed. Um, When I'm multitasking, I do audio, but sometimes I want to give my full attention and read my go-to newsletter. So I think there's definitely still a place for newsletters um, in this evolving media world.
1: And like when you guys were starting it, did you feel like there needed to be like certain elements or certain images in there? Or like, how did you, were there like, was there like a formula for like, oh, this is what we need to put in there to make sure okay. eyes are on it?
0: Glad you asked one, <laughs> because Jack and I are very formulaic about how we approach the content we put out. Basically, when you're doing a daily show or a daily product, you know, a newsletter or a podcast like like Jack and I have done, It really is about the routine and consistency. And in order to consistently do something daily, it needs to be as efficient as possible. So as a result, Jack and I built out a bunch of formulas for how we do our content. Our daily podcast show, it follows a formula. There's a climax to every story, a takeaway, an intro, an outro, a user-generated segment, shout-outs at the end. There's a consistency to the formula, and we apply that formula every day because we found out what worked. Same with newsletters. We had a formula for that too. And what we often share as advice for other founders, entrepreneurs who want to start newsletters is the formula should have some key elements in it. So one of them is, Jack and I always said, you want to begin with an opening hook, something to grab attention, because that first impression is key as to whether someone deletes you from the inbox or moves on or not. So you want to start with a hook. Then we always point out that most likely it's going to be read on mobile. So you do not want long paragraphs and long sentences. You want this to be mobile first, mobile friendly in how you write. So it has to be shorter format than other writing, than your typical news, than your typical email. And then we often say you want to have a fun treat at the end. Jack and I used to add a fact of the day at the end, which was like a fun, delightful thing at the end. So that once you finished the newsletter, you you knew you had something to look forward to, like a dessert. And we give the same advice today. You want to have something at the end that made
2: Going through the reading process worthwhile and exciting. So, at the end of our newsletter, we had a best fact yet, um, yeah, or what used to be called the snack fact of the day when we were <laughs> called Market Snacks, um, and that was always almost like a trivia question, but something that that readers could turn into their their fun fact to share with their friends. Um, but Nick actually skipped over a really juicy nugget of our email, <laughs> which is the movie pick. Yes so our our kind of signature image. Every newsletter we wrote opened with a picture from a movie, like an mm. image from a movie that we liked or a TV show. Um, <clears throat> and it sort of just like captured what was happening in the markets and in business that day. And we used our the caption of the movie image to connect like this scene from the movie Batman with yeah. what happened on stock markets that day. And we had so much fun like selecting I still have a folder on my computer with like a <laughs> thousand movie picks. Oh,
0: there's some from the gold 1, material that head. we
2: wrote, Nick. And that was yeah. that was a really fun little treat that we kicked things off with.
1: Wait, I love that. Then that's I feel like that's so key and so important. So I feel like now people are like, oh, nobody's clicking on our whatever. And it's like you said, Nick, like, is it mobile first? Like is are people having to scroll forever? Like I feel like with so many of that. I would get it's like, uh, I'd be on like my phone because I'd be reading it like on the mm. subway, you know, you're at happy hour waiting for your friends to show up. So you're like, oh, let me just go through here. And it's like, it's taking so long. There's like nothing that that breaks up. It just seems like one bit long paragraph. And it's mm-hmm. like, you got to give people like a reason, like you said, like have something at the end to look forward to or just something where like they know that this is, they're not going to find it elsewhere.
0: Yeah. there there needs to be something special in there too. And like Jack and I always say, we're all competing in the attention economy. Like attention is what everyone has a limited amount of. And yet there are all these products that are trying to take attention. So it's like a market share of attention. And you want to get a part of that. And that means you have to be very thoughtful about the words, the sentences you use. A lot of times when people have come to us for advice on newsletters, it's often because they're writing so much or they haven't edited it down or they haven't thought about like a format that's consistent. And what people want is they if they're going to give you their attention in return, they they typically want something that's efficient, clear, and expected, but then filled with little surprises throughout.
1: A little little snack, if we will.
2: (laughs) A little a little (laughs) little razzle dazzle. A little sprinkle dinkle. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) Okay. So fast forwarding today for everybody who's like, oh, They have a podcast. What is this? Walk us down of how T-Boy came about and what T-Boy is for those who aren't as familiar.
0: Well, to pick up where Jack and I left off when we did our backwards chronology history (laughs) for you before, (laughs) after Jack and I launched the newsletter company, Market Snacks, and then expanded into podcasting with Market Snacks, we sold that company to Robinhood, the stock trading app, where it was rebranded as Robinhood Snacks, where you may have heard our podcast, Snacks Daily. Jack and I spent three great, exciting years at Robinhood, and then after three years at Robinhood, we worked with the founders, who are a couple of great guys, on a spinoff deal where Jack and I got to take the podcast that we would built up at Robinhood, Snacks Daily, and turn it into our own independent company fully run by Jack and me. And that podcast is the same podcast, same content, same style, same audience, we just rebranded it as the best one yet also known as T-Boy.
1: T-Boy Tuesday. <laughs> yep, yeah, T-Boy Tuesday. Yeah. And like when you guys were coming about rebranding, because I know a lot of times like brands and stuff who are probably listening, they're like, oh, rebrand, that's so scary. Like how do we make sure that people know that this is us still and mm. our, our we keep the like, let them know that it's just, nothing's changed. Like, did you guys feel like there were any like key elements that you had to do or like post-wise or let people know that? hey, this is still us and everything. You're still getting the same thing. We're just changing the name or nothing else is changing. But did you guys feel like that was stressful or scary when you were doing that?
2: It was, yeah. I mean, Nick and I kind of held hands and and jumped into the water together. (laughs) But no, it was was very important that we clearly communicate to our audience what was happening. So we went dark on like, our last regular episode was a Thursday. And then on Friday, we had just a mysterious like we're working on something we'll talk to you next <laughs> week. And then Monday we relaunched as the best one yet. And it just came up in people's feeds. It's yeah. you know, they'd already subscribed to the show and suddenly the show had a new name and a new podcast artwork and we were so excited Nick and me. Yeah. Um so you know, both on our show and on social media we very clearly announced what was going on. We said yeah we, we just clearly said, you know, after three years of being at Robin Hood, we've decided to become entrepreneurs again. Um, this show is going to continue, but not as Snacks Daily as the best one yet. And, you know, we had a few more bullet points of, of very clear information. And then once we were done with all that, we we're like, this is friggin' awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we get to win. keep doing this show. But as entrepreneurs, like Nick and I had really found a dream come true and that dream is just, you know, we can be those car talk guys. Like we can host and run our own show for another forty years. And that's what we wanted to do. So although the show was the same in so many ways, it was actually better because Nick and I were one hundred percent controlling our own destiny again. And and that freedom was incredible. And it mm-hmm. lets us just be our one hundred percent of our own selves even more. And really the whole rebranding process was fun. We did
0: that prior to the launch. Jack and I also invested a lot in the rebrand. We didn't just like toss a logo on. It was months in the making. Months in the making, exactly. Yeah, Jack, totally. we, We worked with a brand strategist to almost therapeutically figure out our identity. And even though we never changed the content, the brand looks totally different now. And it's because we realized more who we really were and what we were communicating. Our show is three daily business news stories that we think you got to know and you'll want to know and that you didn't even realize you should know. And that was what the show always has been. And yet by investing in the strategy behind that, it then led to a, an understanding of who our audience was, what our messaging was, what our product really was, what the feeling was, which then let us hand that over to a designer who created our logo. We handed that strategy deck then over to a couple rappers based in Texas who composed a rap jingle for our podcast, which like no other business news show has. And we basically have used that brand strategy guide to guide all of our decisions. Like Jack and I use that guide when we're choosing stories, when we're making big product decisions, when we're making big strategic choices. And so investing in a rebrand really was um, a powerful change for us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Yeah, and I feel like that's key too. Like putting, like not just, like you said, just slapping out, changing logo. And I feel like that's something a lot of brands and people like miss and like don't do. They're like, oh, like oh, nice. I need to actually figure out like why our mission statement is this. Or like why, like mm, if yeah. what we've been doing actually aligns, like. I forgot, there's like a term that a lot of them use is like kind of like a self-check-in like every six months or a year to see like, oh, is our content, are we checking with our audience? Like, mm. are we putting out what they actually want to hear? Are we just, or is this kind of repetitive and we're ignoring like what's adding value to them?
0: <laughs> Interesting, yeah, absolutely, you're right. It's it's often a part of the process that's overlooked and Jack and I were fortunate
2: to invest in it early on and it's, it's paid dividends long-term for us. We decided during that brand strategy- session, that the word that we wanted to strive for with our show was brighter. Yeah. It was an amazing revelation when we realized that that was our like brand North Star was to make our mm-hmm. audience feel brighter. Because if you're running a business and writing a daily product, you're going to just face decisions all the time. Like, And you might feel decision fatigue. And how do you decide, especially if you have partners, how do you decide what to do During tough decisions. Well, our guiding force is will this make our audience feel brighter? Um, And brighter is such a great word because it's both a feeling of like, you know, positivity, but it's also, it also means like smarter. And that's what we try to do with the show. We try to make you feel smarter and also feel brighter. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's the perfect word. And before we had that word and sort of that North Star that I keep referring to, We would just kind of go with our gut, but going with your gut is, is hard when you don't have words to describe what your gut wants. And so we basically just articulated our gut with, with a few key vocabulary words that Nick and I refer to when we're making tough decisions. And it's really helped us make decisions quicker and with more confidence. No, I love
1: that because that, <laughs> that's so true because <clears throat> oftentimes I'll like listen to a story and I'll like repeat it back and they'll be over, like, oh, wow, you knew about that stock trade. And then I like sit back. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, kind of a finance <laughs> consumer guy. Yeah. Oh. It just came, that knowledge just, you know, came to me, you know, as I was on the subway and then you just sit back yeah. and everybody's like, oh, wow, they know their stuff. <laughs> well, well, so that actually I was just listening.
2: To- Nick, uh, Colin was looking at his nails as he said, I'm a finance entrepreneur. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, And to go back to your first question, Colin, about storytelling,
0: like that is what Jack and I strive for with storytelling, is if we can deliver a business news story. So, for example, like if we we just covered Abercrombie and Fitch, for example, the stock had like its biggest jump in years. But Jack and I found a really interesting story in there about the turnaround of Abercrombie and Fitch and why it's suddenly resonating and the nostalgia effect and their pivot to dresses over denim. There are always fun storylines in there. And Jack and I try to curate the most interesting ones. And if we can get something that you want to share to show off that you know the information, but then also because that's such a fun currency in today's economy, in fun, interesting, relevant information. If you want to share that, then that means we've done our job of storytelling.
1: Yeah, I'm making it my new mission to, first of all, bring back like, random slang from like the early 2000s like i'm bringing back awkward turtle and then That's also like knowing like random facts i'll be like hey guys did you actually know that ftx and blah 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 did xyz and people are like wait what <laughs> and then just like step away and get like you know a smoothie <laughs> and then just like walk away from it
2: <laughs> <laughs> always leave them wanting more exactly. <laughs>
1: but like going back to your guys the strategy about like the doing the show on a on a daily basis, like a lot of times, like people are probably like, "Wait, how do you know that what you recorded, like the day before, is actually gonna not change, an hour from then or when the show actually airs?" Like, is there a process that you guys do, uh, by working on stuff to kind of make sure everything's caught up to exactly how it'll be by the time it'll air? Like, how does
2: that formula work? We do our best. I mean, we we do have kind of like a publishing deadline, and we turn on the microphones late in the afternoon, uh, East coast time. And, and we record our show and it takes a few hours to edit the show after that. Um, and, and sometimes news will break or Elon will tweet <laughs> and it requires that we update the story and we'll jump back onto the microphones, but it's a daily show. So on the rare occasions that the news has fundamentally changed between us recording it and the publish, um, our audience just knows that we recorded this yesterday. And that's the thing. Like, our audience knows this is Nick and Jack. And, um, and we're not superhuman. Uh, <laughs> you know, we published what based on what we knew at the time. And, and they, they know that tomorrow we'll update the news if something big or fundamental happened. T- two
0: funny observations Jack and I have had over a decade of covering business news. The first is that business news really does only happen during market hours, between like 9.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. It is very rare that there's a breaking news story in business over a weekend or after 4 p.m. It's just you wouldn't think that in this world. Political news happens all the time, <laughs> yeah, environmental well, news true. all the time. Business news really likes to keep its market hours. So that's yeah.
2: kind of convenient for Jack and me. It's really rare that we have to do an update like Jack It's it's, it's very convenient, Nick. Um, companies issue press releases during those market hours that Nick mentioned. And then the
0: other funny thing Jack and I have have noticed over time is that a lot of people say content is king. Jack and I like to also say that curation is queen. And Jack and I are not in the business breaking news industry. That's not where we compete. Where we compete is in the curation, is in coming up with a takeaway. So you may already know that something happened, for example, with Lululemon stock. But what Jack and I are going to do is we're going to find the interesting storyline and tell you about it the next day. So that's fine that you found out that the stock jumped on Monday, but you're probably willing to wait till Tuesday to get the really interesting story about it. And that's what Jack and I have found is that there's an audience there that is excited and okay to wait a day, but for a more compelling, interesting, differentiated story that's brighter at the end of the day. And
1: you saying that made me think of being like, you guys come back like on Tuesday and be like, actually, everybody, Lululemon has rediscovered a new type of cargo pants that are very popular. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, dang! Now I need to go to Lululemon and get new cargo pants. I didn't know this one <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, it's really funny to see how it's so true. Colin, like when Jack and I are covering companies, and and you know, it goes for companies that are consumer relevant, like you just brought up with Lululemon, but also like the debt ceiling. We covered the debt ceiling today. And, you know, what Jack and I are always trying to do is find, like, an interesting, relevant takeaway that you wouldn't expect that would even make the debt ceiling as exciting as that Lululemon story.
1: Right. And and I feel like that's that's the stuff that's key. It's like people, like like you said, they want to know, it's like, okay, if I turn this on or whatever, like, I'm going to be updated on the debt ceiling or all the types of business mm-hmm. new stuff, but I'm also going to get a fun little tidbit that might help me down the road or be a, a nice right. known fact. And I feel like that's also, right. like you said, fighting for attention. That's, What's going to make people also want to come back to their like, okay, I'm not just getting the basics that I could get anywhere else. Like I'm getting X, Y, and Z more.
2: Right. Yeah. News, news is so marginal. Like Nick and I refer to them as drip stories. Mm-hmm. There's some stories where it's just like drip a little bit more news, drip a little bit more news on the same topic, drip a little bit tiny more news on the same topic. And some newsletters and podcasts cover each of those little marginal updates and then suddenly every day's issue had the same general news subject and rehashed the same context to prepare you for that marginal news and nick and i like to collect a few drips (laughs) before we (laughs) before we decide to cover them all at once you're not going to get the same story two days in a row on our show we just we just don't think that's fun <laughs> and, and there's a way to like both stay informed on the important things but also feel fresh news every day that mm-hmm. keeps you curious and interested and
1: like you saying that now I'm like dang I need a drip coffee and I need <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's all I that's all I can think of it's like uh I need a drip coffee after this <laughs>
0: Any Anything we can do to kind of stimulate
1: <laughs> some, something for you. And that also leads to my next point, just about like, I feel like connecting with your, like you, we said earlier, connecting with your audience and kind of knowing their needs too and stuff. Like, do you guys um, have like a framework or something that you do where you kind of can check in to see of like, oh, like they want to hear more business news about AMC or more business news about like retail. Like, how do you kind of, Connect, I feel like connecting with artists is very key, also. So, how do how do you now connect with them, whether it be on social media or to kind of or with letters or something to kind of get their feedback?
2: This is a tough one. Podcasting is an anonymous, one way relationship. We do not know, you know, who's listening. Um, it's an RSS feed that goes out a lot like radio, except digitally over the internet, and anyone can pick it up. And if you subscribe to our show, we don't know who you are. So that is a challenge. And it's resulted in Nick and me having to be more artistic rather than scientific. Um, so what we do with our curation, it's it's definitely artistic. It's an art deciding what stories to cover and how. But that said, we do check reviews. We check social media. We have approximately once a year surveys that we send out where we ask new questions to our audience. and.
1: And do you guys do anything to, like, uh, I'm, like, now that everybody's, like, oh, yeah, we're, like, we're, we're connecting back at IRL again. Or do you guys, like, do any, like, workshops or things like that to connect with audiences? Like, I know recently we um I saw, like, one podcast network, they did, like, a pop-up back in Austin to, like, where they had different podcast hosts, like, me and do workshops and stuff. Like, is that something that you guys are looking to do?
2: Well, Nick's based in San Francisco, which is kind of, one of our meccas of our audience. Nick bumps into our listeners a lot. And uh, if you you, um, see Nick in the wild and you want to say hi to him, (laughs) brace yourself because Nick is excited to talk to you. And and he he does, Nick and I both crave those personal one-on-one interactions with our audience. And if someone comes and says hi to us because they listen to the show, we love checking out what they have to say. And
0: we we do we, we we have so much fun with that, and we're fortunate. Actually, ever since Jack and I launched video, we've been getting we get that on a weekly basis. We run into yetis in the wild, <laughs> and we are thinking roadmap wise on our product roadmap something more organized in person is on the agenda. It just in our first year wasn't the top priority, but absolutely it's it's moving in that direction, Colin, because you're right. You need to check in with your audience. And like Jack just said, there's so many limitations with podcasting. It's one of the challenges is how to check in with your audience. And and getting together for a group in-person event is beneficial for you to connect with the audience and then for the audience to connect with each other, which is so unique.
1: Yeah. I feel like, like we're seeing now other mediums and places that are like adapting from that like Comic-Con type format where like we've Mm. seen like Bravo con others that are now like adapting it to their audiences and to really kind of build that camaraderie and stuff. And for not just for the audience to connect with like who they're watching or viewing or listening to, but also like build that community amongst each other be like, Oh, you're from Omaha and listen to them. I'm from Omaha and listen to them. (laughs) Let's start (laughs) that. Let's start a knitting circle. We listen to T-Boy on (laughs) Tuesdays.
0: (laughs) It's so so funny (laughs) because we have like a, we have a listener in Florida who's a big fan of the show, and we have a listener in Texas who's a big fan of the show, didn't know each other. And they both would submit facts, shout outs that we do at the end of the pod, like a fact of the day. And because they both had submitted a couple, they ended up connecting on social media. And now they submit their facts together as like a team. And so like, it's already kind of digitally created some connections between fans. So we can only imagine, like if we did it in person, it would be even at another level. It would be so cool. Now I'm going to cry. Now I'm
1: going to cry. Now awesome. you guys are matchmaking beautiful. and all
2: that, like,
0: <laughs> like,
2: setting the bar so high. <laughs> we are wondering if we should set up – We it's on our roadmap to set up a, a digital place for our audience to come together where Nick and I can participate mm-hmm. too. And whether that's Discord or Slack, we've heard of a lot of shows that have a very kind of vibrant conversation going on on Discord, Slack. Or even like Facebook groups, um, and we're trying to find the right platform for that. But bringing in a communal space where our audience can chat about stories together is a good idea.
1: Honestly, you guys connect with Tom and bring back MySpace. Let's do it! Like, <laughs> let's just let's just go off the rail. Bring back MySpace. Start a yeah. MySpace group.
0: <laughs> MySpace, if they launch stories, that would be perfect. <laughs> then we could do stories on MySpace.
1: Like a boom! There we. And speaking of social media, like. How do you guys balance that? Like I feel like that's like now a whole beast in itself. I feel like now we have more platforms than ever, so it's like
2: we have are expecting so many inboxes. <laughs> we have so many inboxes. Uh inbox management is is really tough and social media does become a place where you need to respond to comments and you get lots of DMs. Nick and I did this ourselves for a really long time and it became a lot of hours every day. <laughs> We've recently hired a social media manager who is a fan of our show. And actually, that's one bit of advice we have to anyone who has a daily show or wants to connect with their audience. If you hire a social media manager, which Nick and I did, and it's going very well, make sure they love the show and they know the show. And ours, her name is Rachel. She loves our show, and she speaks our language, and she knows the stories just as well as anyone, and she's doing a fantastic job having kind of... Taken over, and she manages our social media inboxes, and and um and pings Nick and me on a regular basis when it kind of requires our personal touch, which we love jumping in. Uh, but that's that's how we do it after years of doing it ourselves completely.
1: Yeah, that's chaos. If you guys are trying to <laughs> manage that, and I feel like people get upset because like you have like the mm-hmm. crazy super fans. Not to call them crazy, um, but like they were just like, oh, that funny thing that Nick said, blah, blah, blah. Or Jack, when you really did that, that was cool. And it's like, and then you don't respond in time because it's a lot coming in. <clears throat> and yeah. then they get mad and you're like, you guys, like I'm doing the best we can. Like we can't, <laughs> we can't get back to each one of you while Yetis. ease.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's right. We've just, we, you know, it, we just really, we care so much about this audience. It was just, we were literally staying up. Late. <laughs> Jack and I, we were doing double duty, Jack in the morning, me at night, West Coast, East Coast, just to get back to everyone. Cause because you're right, it is amazing how people get disappointed because they're trying to connect with you. And that's understandable for them to get disappointed. And it it is also hard for Jack and me to scale each other until we have an AI version of ourselves.
1: <laughs> you know, a chat GP six of you guys, you know. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> just chat GP
1: Jack. <laughs> and when you said that about point that made me remember um I replied to one of my favorite bakeries post asking about if that flavor was in stock and they didn't respond that day. And I got really sad about it. So you just Uh brought back some trauma about that, Uh, but you know, I'm going to work through it. it I'm going to work through it. It's okay. Our,
0: (laughs) Our lesson is to, to be patient because those creators, they will get back to you. And Jack and I do always get back to everyone. That's our goal.
1: And I feel like that's key. Like don't like you guys said, like, don't stress out about like getting back to people like that minute, that second, but like right. figure out a schedule, whether it's getting a social media. because A lot of people are like, oh, I don't have the resource to get a social media manager. It's like maybe you have like maybe factor out like an hour or whatever in the day mm-hmm. to answer certain ones. And like you said, people are understandable because they understand like, oh, there's a lot of us like they'll get back. But just acknowledging and being like, hey, I'm trying to get back to everybody like or whatever,
0: like. Actually, Colin, a little tactic Jack and I use is we've Jack and I have found that if we just respond in real time, 24-7, you never really get to inbox zero, essentially, on your DMs. So what we do is we kind of wait for there to be a, a, a bunch of messages to, to add up. And then at one point during the week, at like 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Fridays, we answer all of them at once. And we found that that lets us focus on our core product, the show, which is the most important thing, during the week and then we still get back to everyone, but in an organized way. Otherwise, if we try to mix the two, everything kind of suffers. You don't get back in a great way to the listeners, and then you also aren't producing as good a show because you're a little distracted. So we've kind of found that time boxing a bit really helps us with managing what Jack just described, which is all of our inboxes.
1: Yeah, because that sounds chaos trying to be on the couch watching the Andy Griffith show, and you're like, ah, dang, I gotta answer. 3,000 DMs real quick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we've been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, like for my, for my last question, like what, just out of curiosity, what do you all think the future of podcasting is going? Like we're seeing so many things, like more people are now focusing on the video aspect. And um, I'm now seeing on some where they have the interactive Q and a, so you can like add in while it's mm-hmm. going. And we have like the live podcast and a lot of people are doing, like I, I did that um, back in March and that's really fun. Like, do you all think like it could even be just like, the rest of 2023 or next year like do, is there a trend that you all are seeing in the audio space that um you think is going to carry on soon
2: yes we do that trend is <clears throat> podcasting as as your full hustle and podcasting as a career we are all in the attention economy and nick and i think to put on a great show and to really thrive in podcasting you really have to give it your all um nick and i do that and We're thrilled that podcasting is our number one product and we really believe in the future of podcasting. Radio goes back 100 years. We think audio will go forward 100 years just in a more convenient format. Um, And podcasting has gone through a few tumultuous years with crazy investments from some of the tech platforms and huge free agent signings of celebrities to launch their own shows. But we think it's really those who give give their all into a podcast and make it their primary product. That's where you're going to put on an amazing show that your audience consistently listens to. I love everything Jack just said.
0: <laughs> you're like, you're like, that's, you're like, that's, just, that's my those, comment. You're it. Jack nailed the takeaway. <laughs> and, and we do firmly believe it in everything Jack just said. And like, also
1: just to follow up on that, like for those who are listening who are like, Oh, that's cool. Nick and Jack love that you guys got a show, but me and my llama are really funny in Kansas. And I think we would be good at podcasting, but we don't know where to start. Like what advice do you have for those who are like, I want to do a podcast for llama news, but I don't know where
0: to start. Well, the great thing about podcasting is the starting point is easy. The startup costs are easy. The hard part Are the scaling costs and consistency in doing it over time? So we would always, Jack and I always say, start the podcast. You totally should. You should sandbox it, play around with it, figure out what content works, send it to people, see what works and resonates. You may have to pivot the content, but then come up with a formula. So we always say it's actually really simple. You don't need very much equipment. You got a recorder, a microphone, a headset. You're looking at a few hundred bucks. And you can either learn to do the editing yourself, do it unedited, or hire a freelancer to edit your pod for maybe like 50 bucks an episode. Um, And we say, just start, do it. And then once you're kind of getting feedback, if you do want to do it, like Jack just said, like as a career, then you can really start focusing on the details. You focus on what is my hook in the beginning? What's my fun dessert at the end? What's the topic I'm doing? How am I going to be consistent? Am I going to be daily or weekly? I don't want to be inconsistent. It's a habit-driven medium. I got to be choose one, weekly, daily, monthly. So are you interview format? Are you discussion format? So once you kind of get the equipment, once you then start testing and getting comfortable with a microphone and what that's like, then you can really start thinking strategically about what are we saying and why every word matters.
1: No, that's so true. And I feel like a lot of times whenever people are starting one, they're like, oh, like, I want to get to 200,000 listeners immediately. And it's like I always tell people, I'm like, you can't just start this and expect a huge fan base like overnight. Like you have to actually, like you said, be passionate about it and put in that work. Because if you're just doing it for followers or whatever, you're going to get burned out quickly. Honestly, with anything, you can't do it for whatever you have to truly be passionate about it because that's, what's going to get you through those like nights or days where you're having to go back and re-edit or like totally. something falls through and you have to like keep, you have to do it again.
0: Yes. Start, start with a microphone and start just by talking about something you love doing. I'm fortunate and Jack's fortunate that we get to have a discussion on the topics we happen to love with the person we happen to love, a best friend who's right there on the other side of the mic. Who we're just having fun with and we get to do it every day. I mean, it's, it's a dream job. Like Jack said, and and that's like what keeps us going. We don't even have to second guess it. We can wake up every morning and be excited for what we're going to do every day. And it's funny that it happens to be with a microphone, which we never would have expected. I love everything Nick just said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's everybody's response. Like, yeah, uh, cosign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and when you said that it made me think of like dang if i could pick anybody to do my like jingle like you guys did i would want celine dion to do my jingle at the beginning mm-hmm. a nice mm-hmm. little intro you know her reaching the yeah. octave to really just welcome everybody in
0: well an eternal voice who i'm sure <laughs> may be down to do this call and your shot man let's do it I'd be like would be, like, hey, right? yeah, be like hey celine she's in vegas right
1: yes i'll be like hey celine I know you got a little show going on right now in Vegas, but do you yeah. have a little, you have a sec to, you know, sing a little natural song oh, I wrote?
0: It's been a while since Titanic. Yeah. I think we're all due for another Selena hit. My podcast will go on,
1: you know, it writes to tough. <laughs> yes. It writes to tell. <laughs>
0: you can't go wrong with that
1: but nick and jack thank you guys so much for being here today this was so good honestly could talk for hours
0: <laughs> that was really fun colin and we're definitely down to come back and talk for hours again yeah. thanks so much for having yes yeah,
1: so when you come back we'll do a love is blind recap and we'll just we'll just
2: <laughs> yeah, go yeah, down
1: the love is blind rapid and we'll talk all about it <laughs>
2: perfect thank you so much colin
1: wow how great was this episode If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino executive produced by Chris Aarons and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountville Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.
0: If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS.